0: and misfits coming to you from the recycle garage in sunny santa cruz california hey everyone this is liza and i am beat that's right beat down from all the fun i had Woo-hoo! this Woo-hoo! weekend <laughs> good weekend it was a good weekend good weekend we will get to that well, let's uh, see who's here let's see we're going to get right to the uh, the, <laughs> the party room. We've got yeah. Bagel, Michael, and Emma all together. Hello.
1: <laughs> Hello, her darlings.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Greetings oh, from Oregon.
0: Emma, you could actually kiss a ginger right now if you wanted to.
2: I could, but I don't have 25 cents. <laughs> oh so uh, refer- darn!
3: But you get a sticker of yourself.
2: <laughs> I am out of give it the bean. Oh, thank you. Oh, we have a quarter. Oh, there oh, we go. You sure <laughs> give it the
4: beans.
2: We got to do that every time that sticker count?
5: comes up. I got some pure ginger root here.
3: I
2: can give it <laughs> the priest. Oh you
3: hippie. You hippie. <laughs> no, I don't want to know what's going on over here.
0: <laughs> All right.
5: The friend is like, what the fuck is going on over here? <laughs>
0: well, let's get to, uh, uh let's see. Yeah. Covering me in the garage today, Um, I got two guys, but the one who showed up on time, it's Douglas. hey <laughs>
5: Yeah, I got there and Angela was like, Who's opening up the garage? It was 11 o'clock on the dot.
3: <laughs> when I, when I my, <laughs> shut my bike off, she was all concerned.
5: Was like, yeah, I'm here. I got it. Nice.
3: We know we were monitoring you lifetime on. The yeah. And game. then you called
5: John like, hey, is Doug there by now? <laughs> no, I knew you were there. I was giving John
0: heck because I'm like, you're late. Doug's been there. You're late. <laughs> but he did show up on time to help everyone to get things done. It's Stumpy John.
6: Ten minutes late isn't late. That's almost on time. So I should get
0: some kind of
3: credit for sure. It's Sunday, for God's sake! It's Sunday. It's okay.
0: You get credit for showing up. Um, and of course, it's everybody's favorite naked man. It's naked Jim.
3: Hey, what's happening? Yeah, (laughs) shout out to Portland, great town. Yeah, heads up. Yeah, big shout out to Portland.
0: Yeah. So, um, we want to get, uh, I guess we got to get into it because John and Doug stay back. And ran everything. So we wanted to, like, share with you all the stories. Um, So, all right. Um, If anyone has other info to uh, fill in, jump in. So the one show was, uh, we thought it would be canceled this year because it's normally early in the year, like February, I believe. And they announced it just, what is it, Emma, just like two months ago, I think? Not long ago? Yeah. That they were going to have it. They found a new location. It was happening.
2: I think it was less time than that. I think it's like four to six weeks. Yeah, less time.
0: Really, really, really and you know, uh, is, yeah. this is one of our favorite events that we go to every year up in Portland. Yeah, we like the one show. We do. We like it because they celebrate all th- all vehicles, all two-wheel, three-wheel. There's four-wheel, anything fun, funky. It's a- everything you can imagine, from custom choppers and vintage to race bikes and mopeds and scooters and everything. Um, Big wheels. Yeah, <laughs> weird things, all the things. Um, and so we were excited that they announced they were going to have it, and the the building they chose to do it in is this very interesting building. Uh, what's it called again? The
3: Zidel Z- The Zidel Barge Building. Yeah, it was a cool building, man.
0: And that was the other thing that's really cool about the one show is that it's always been like this industrial, like an old abandoned industrial buildings. And you always feel like you're living life on the edge. You could could get tetanus at any time. And it did not fail at this event.
2: It was industrial.
0: It was industrial. It was really cool. Um, And we didn't really know what to expect. They pulled this together last minute. And we showed up on Friday because Emma had submitted a bike to show and got accepted, uh, the famous turbo turbo Goldwing. So we were, we were there to participate, to, to make it whatever it was going to be. And it did not fail. Emma, you were the first one there. You want to kind of report what it was like when you rolled up?
2: Um, there were 200 bikes or 200 um, exhibitor bikes and we did load in what time did we get in mate like? we got in a, probably 11:30 11:45 on friday and it was jumping it really was jumping um, bikes went in the thing to remember about this year's show, they kind of pulled it out of a hat. And we were made very, very welcome to go over there. There was no real organization to where you put your bike. Everything just kind of went in order. And I lucked out because Tubbo ended up right in front of the One Moto Show merch stand. So when you wanted a One Moto Show T-shirt or whatever. You just turned around, and there was trouble. But there was no like, oh, the cafe racers go there, or the Harleys go there. I mean, the Zidel Barge Building is a giant building. Yeah, I mean, they built big ships in there. Um, but at eleven thirty, pretty much most of the vendors were in and set up. Obviously, the show wasn't open yet, and I would say probably a good 30 to 40% of the bikes had already arrived. Um, we actually, we were joking that we spent most of the first day looking for a couple of bikes that we overtook in the back of the truck <laughs> on the way up in California. It's a beautiful old um, Triumph, and the think of BSA, and there they were. A traveling companion. So, you know, the bikes come down from Seattle. They come down from all points in Washington. They come up from California. It's a very West Coast thing. Um, but that was the scene at like 11.40. And then um, we just kind of settled down and started cruising around. More bikes came in. And then the doors went up, came open at 3 o'clock. And the only thing missing, of course, was bagel. Yeah, We didn't come in till. Very much later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the nice things about having you there early is you were able to do a little intel. Jim and I were flying in. We were due to come uh, at two, like pre-show, but w- during press hours. And one of the things um, I always liked about the show is they always have lounge areas. They'd have couches and benches and just stuff. And because of COVID, they wanted to have. Um, they were restricting how many people could come in, and they were having. They wanted to have one one flow of traffic going in and then out, and and there was no chairs anywhere um, except for in the bar area where they had like picnic tables and stuff. But um, Emma said there's there's no chairs, so Jim and I ran to Walmart and bought a whole bunch of camping chairs. <laughs> So that when we arrived there, we dragged them in and scouted out a spot and set up the Misfits Lounge.
3: Yeah, and it was cool. It was out of the way. I think we were respectful of the ass, because, right, if you throw out chairs, as we know, you congregate, and that's what they're trying to avoid. And Seattle was having a moment, apparently. So, Um, but we found some room way outside. So, outside of the venue, yet still kind of part of the party. And yeah, and could circle some chairs, and it was like a little rendezvous point. And it (laughs) was, plus, it was near the food, too. And the remote control motorcycles. So,
0: And we also had night bananas that we gave away, which, by the way, Emma came in handy when Jim and I were pulling up. We're like, are we going to be able to park like uh, on the it's kind of like a pier. Real? It's really Hi. a pier. Are we going to be able to park on the pier? And she's like, I've arranged everything. Just have a banana ready.
3: <laughs> normally it's cash. Normally drugs or girls. This time it was a night banana.
0: It was a banana, and it cost you a banana to get in. <laughs> <laughs> so we shut up in the security guard, Yeah, and she's like, give him the banana. We hand him the banana, he waves us right on in.
3: <laughs> he was stoked on that banana, too. Like yeah. he was waiting on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank you for setting that up, Emma. That was quite all right. Um, yeah, so I was excited when I got there. Um, you know, one of the things that I think – uh, I, I mean, Doug has been there. We've all been there. John hasn't been there yet, but I know he's putting it on his list right now. Yeah, Absolutely. it's becoming a priority. Um, You got the bikes, you got the art, you got the music. And I'm going to let Mike talk about the food in a little bit because that was the bomb. And you always have these kind of extra little areas. Like we said, we were hanging out with uh Icon Motorsports. Shout out to Amanda. And yeah, Shout they set Icon. up uh radio control motorcycle racing in this big like pavilion which is really cool and they're screen printing shirts to give away to people there um but you have just it's everything it's it's just right. fun you know and you have people coming in with kids and dogs and and it's it's the people it's the environment that they build and that's what we do so well is we just go out and just meet people
3: right yep and I'm, I'm glad
2: you brought, brought up what Icon were doing because, you know, Icon, Portland, and the one show, they're all inextricably linked. Mm -hmm. They always take very, very good care of us. They always put on a great display wherever they are. And four weeks ago, they were presented with the show's going to be on.
4: Yeah,
2: And so suddenly they're scrambling as to what to do. And I think it was Amanda who came up with the idea of the remote control motorcycles. And it was really easy. You'll have four motorbikes and a set-up track. There you go. Jim got the whole shot. I got the whole shot award, son. (laughs) Exactly. And you have these little hand controllers. And after each person had had a go, they're really easy to disinfect, get clean, ready for the next person. And everybody can just hang around, social distance, and have fun. And – Everyone was doubly scrambling because the day before mm-hmm. the one show, the urban areas of Portland went into really a lockdown because the numbers were creeping up. And so all the outdoor dining, stop. Or all the indoor dining. indoor dining. dining, yeah. Yeah, indoor dining. Uh, <clears throat> and all these new restrictions. So they were doubly scrambling. So everyone did such a good job. And everyone in the show was being very, very respectful. I didn't see anybody (laughs) flaunting, not wearing a mask. I didn't see anybody giving anybody a hard time over not wearing a mask. Everyone was super respectful. Everyone maintained the distance. It was a very, very good scene.
0: It was. And, you know, I said one of my favorite things there is really the people that we meet. Um, And I wanted to share some of the, we can talk about some of the people that we met um, and and some of the stories and that was, what's really cool. And, and I'll start with one. Um, and actually this is cool because, uh, her bike won an award and actually her name is Ray and she won an award for best, uh, bike from a female builder. And there was quite a few, uh, female builders and they were all identified with women Riders now, uh, organization owned by, um, our friends, uh, Aaron Sills and Sarah Shilky, um, and they so that you could go and vote for your best female builder. That was just an additional recognition. And uh, I met Ray. Uh, I was with Jim and I think Emma. We were at a mixer over at the bar, right. and um, little redhead, curly haired thing, kind of reminded me of Jake, nineteen years old, and and she's yeah. a bike builder. So you know, you start asking, tell me about your bike. Um, it was an XS650 and this was her first bike. Her dad got her in a riding and said, an XS650 will be your good first bike to ride. And because he is also into wrenching and painting and stuff like that, he uh, helped her and guided her in fixing this bike up. But she did, she did an engine rebuild. She did a lot of the cutting and fabrication. Uh, she said that he did the welding, but he's still teaching her how to do it. Um, and I think for me, the thing that was uh, impressive is she she designed and painted it with his help because he's a painter. And Emma, how would you describe it? Because it was, what I liked about it, it was um, kind of unique paint job. It was.
2: I mean, it was uh, whites and beiges and blacks. Did we take any pictures of it? Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's
3: pictures. Well, it won an award. Did you mention that? I think it yeah. won the Women Builder Award, didn't it?
1: I you think know what you struck
3: me that bike, I, I mean
1: what I liked
3: fast about fast. it yeah and it looked quite comfortable a lot of the builds like the brat style you know that kind of thing or or, or whatever but that looked that bike looked like you could hop on it for a week no problem go camping off it but it looks super functional. what a beautiful right. build that was
2: and yeah. it, it was beautifully done it really was very nostalgic paint job the paint job. Reminded me a lot of the things you used to see on the van craze in the seventies.
0: Yeah, because she you know? had fake wood grain uh, stripes.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you could you could really imagine go back to the late 70s, Chevy van or a Dodge van or something with with an extended version of that pattern on it. It was a very, very sanitary build. Beautifully done.
0: And I loved that it was a project she did with her dad. And that's something I love hearing, you know, making new bikers. And she's already bought... She's already got two more bikes lined up as projects to to build. One of them is a Harley, so she's she's fast tracking. Jim, you thought you fast tracked in the moto world? No.
3: Oh, dude, I learned how slow track I am. You know (laughs) the other thing I mentioned about uh, about Ray is it, and it's something similar to the one to it is it kind of blows this stereotype of what bike builders are. Yeah. You know, if you're looking at 100, you know, 20 people, and Ray was one of them she probably would not be your first choice as the woman, the person that won the women bike build. Right. Um, and I love that because we met listeners also that had bikes in there and they wouldn't be the, you know, the old grizzly person that you pick out. Oh, that guy's the old school bike builder that can do these things. It's interesting to see a lot of these young people that you would never expect building these things. It's wild.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, that was really cool. And then, um, another one that, um, that really struck me. Uh, and again, this is you just start striking up conversations and then you find out they're a builder. Um and this one was uh from Matthias and he uh had previously gone on a moto journey on an R80 he and his partner um down from Brooklyn down to Ushuaia, which is the tip of South America on old R80s. He loves the the old airheads, right? So he's planning his next adventure to go from Spain down to the Cape of Africa. And he's doing it on this bike he's been building. Let's see, I got a little picture I can show you guys here. Here's a piece of it. It's an R100 that is, it looks like a, you know, a custom, just a very clean, custom uh, adventure bike, an R100. But this thing is a completely functioning bike that Has been uh, made to go do this big adventure, and it's got a KTM, uh, I think six ninety front end. Um, It's got really cool because it's got this big, beautifully painted tank, and he put four uh, bungs in it—just screw uh, threaded uh, openings that he can screw down his tank bag mount to. And then he's also got additional racks that will, you know, clamp on to carry all of his gear. He's going to be camping, doing everything. So I just love that. It was such a clean, good looking bike, but also highly functional. And actually this is the first one he built. Uh, he started his own uh, business. It's called um, myth motor. M Y M M Y T H myth mythmotor.com And he's offering to build bikes for people who want one. That's really, you know, a cool looking functional airhead. Ah. And there's an advantage to taking an airhead on these trips like this. Less electronics, less things to, to go wrong. You can fix anything with a rock and a stick, basically. So, um, yeah, Matthias at uh, mythmotor.com. Check that out. That was a beautiful bike. and You know, just combining the functionality
2: and the practicality with the thing of beauty is very unusual.
0: Oh, and I know our listeners won't be able to see this. I'll describe it, Douglas. You'll enjoy this. Uh, so there was art everywhere, all different kinds of art. And there's one. I'm like, ooh, I think I need to get this. It <laughs> it is. It's a possum in a motorcycle helmet. Nice. That's right. I'm like, if that was not made for me, uh huh. Right. I Did think I, it? it's called Trash yeah. Baby.
5: <laughs> what was was that? An image on a shirt or
0: so? This or is what? a painting. It was like a. Two by two foot painting, but I can order a print of it for like thirty bucks. I, I was kind of disappointed, Liza. For that. Yeah,
3: I know. Right. I thought we were going to go out and get tattoos on Friday night. I thought we we're just going to go out and get it tattooed <laughs> on trash, our ass.
0: trash baby tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that so that was really cool. Uh, who has some something they want to share? One of the stories I
2: enjoyed the most. Um, if you went to the very, very back of the building, there were some Harley scattered around. And one of them was a beautifully presented, but not out of the ordinary late 70s sportster. And you know, back in the 70s, sports had quite a different image to the one they do now. Unless you're a custom builder like Mike, Sportster's kind of seen as shrunken choppers, and they weren't always that way. I mean, back in the 70s, Sportster was seen as very much a a sporty standard bike. And so there's this very, very nicely presented Sportster, and it was grey, and you could see it had got some miles on it. The bike was called Rudy.
0: Aha, yeah.
2: And the story that goes with Rudy it was owned by a gentleman called Doug. And um, I met quite a few Dougs this weekend, Doug. Mm-hmm. And Doug was a very, very interesting character. Um, he had owned Rudy for a very, very long time. Yeah. He bought Rudy, I think he said, in 1989 and paid $3,000 and just rode the living crap. And I'm not sure, Rudy's a guy's name, but it it wasn't named because it was necessarily a guy. It was named because it got quite a loud, rude exhaust note, (laughs) and it had a habit of putting on car alarms. So it was was really
0: the story of...
2: Yeah, it was really the story of a 30-year love affair yeah. with a bike.
0: He did refer to it as her.
2: It's right. So mm-hmm. it's it's a girl. Her name's Rudy.
0: And he's loved
2: this bike for 30 years. And it looked every inch of it. And, you know, with any love story, there's drama. And the drama comes, I think he said 10 years ago, he had it parked on the street and some... Redneck in a truck squashed her. Mm. And there was some battling doing backwards and forwards with the insurance company of whether he was parked legitimately. He was parked legitimately. He got an award from the insurance company, which not only paid for the repairs to Rudy, but it also paid the initial cost of her all those years ago. Mm. So in effect, Rudy became free and um Rudy started off she was red when Doug bought her but he decided to go gray because they were both going gray together (laughs) and he's got no intention of selling Rudy she in my opinion she was one of the best bikes there because you you see bikes and they just become so much a part of the owner where the line between where the rider and the owner stops and the bike starts becomes kind of blurred. And Rudy was one of those bikes. It was just a fabulous story and a wonderful bike.
0: Well, and, and that's one of the things people were asking me, like, what's your favorite bike here? I'm like, I have no way of knowing. I don't know all the stories because every bike. single bike has a story. And the thing I got from Rudy that I really enjoyed too, he said um, he's had the bike for 30 years and he's been married for 28. And when he met his wife then girlfriend he informed her of this other woman in his life and that he would be having to spend time and money with her as well and i hope she would be okay with that but it was kind of cool <laughs> to be told like well just so you know just so you rudy know, was here first and the and
2: the relationship with rudy predated his wife yeah still together and everyone is very, very happy. It's a wonderful story. It really made my day.
0: When- kind of like
5: you're not the only one, but you're the best,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. Did he tell you what else he recently acquired? As a oh, he's
2: got he has got some very, yeah. very nice fights. Um Hurricane. He's got a uh, Triumph Hurricane, mm-hmm. which is famously it's it's actually a BSA Rocket Three. It was badged as a triumph and then made pretty by a very young Craig Better. Yeah. When the studios were really brand new. Wow. <clears throat> and it, it was Craig Better's first real big overseas contract. Um He's got one of those, which is very, very and, nice.
0: And the thing I liked about that, he showed me the before and after pictures. He got it uh, from a friend's garage. I think his friend passed yeah. and he he acquired these bikes and then it just been sitting for like decades well, there. It just looked junked, but because that bike has good chrome and all the fiberglass had that gel coat on it, he was able to clean and preserve Without right. having to do any restoration and make the bike look new again by just being patient and cleaning everything,
2: and you know, as with so many of these bikes, he inherited them and he got three from this guy yeah. um, when it when his friend passed on. So I think from the widow, um, she said, "You know, pick what three bikes you want." He got the Hurricane, um, which is. A very high-dollar bike, but a drop-dead gorgeous, of course, and he got a T140 Triumph, a later 750 twin. I think he said it was a 77, and he has a 69 BSA Thunderbolt, which is another favorite of mine. Um, Gorgeous bikes, all original, original paint, original chrome, just nice, nice, nice bikes. And a beautiful cross-section of how Britain went about building bikes. Um, very lucky guy. And very much part of the Portland scene. You know, all these guys hang out at CC
1: Coffee. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, Bagel, how about you? What what uh, story did you uncover?
1: Well, um, I kind of found two stories in one um, because there were two bikes by the same builder that really stood out to me, um, and
0: the, you would not put these two together as the same bike. Right. <laughs> I know,
1: very, very different machines. Um, the first one that I saw was the electric board track racer.
0: This uh, is which, really nice.
1: Which is a really, really cool throwback to very early, you know, board tracker type bikes. Uh, it's a very minimal design with just a tube tube frame uh, that. Has, it holds a, a, a sort of circular electric motor with two squarish batteries up above it that are actually out of a Chevy Volt. and But they're laid out like the crankcase and cylinders of a vintage twin board track racer to give mm-hmm. it the right kind of look. Um, then he has the electronics housed in a, a very slender uh, metal container that looks like a vintage board tracker tank. Um, <laughs> you know, he's got, got bicycle style wheels on it and the bike really looks the part. And this bike was, was just a, it's kind of a fun thing that he decided to uh, come up with because he, he and his Mm -hmm. wife are a uh, race car uh, engineering and racing team. And uh, they, they race, uh, I think Porsches and Dodge Vipers and things like that. But uh, he wanted something for like a pit bike to ride around with that, was a little different and he could get away with a little bit more because they limit the speed of the pit bikes in the pit. And if you, you know, rump on the throttle, they give you, you know, a rash of shit about it. But uh, he figured if he, if he put together an electric bike, which is super quiet, it wouldn't attract so much attention and mm. he could just around. <laughs> and so he has a lot of fun, you know, zipping it around on the track and it, it has quite a bit of pull. Um, and he also calculated that with all of the just, just riding around the pits. He can get a hundred miles out of that bike just wow. the way that it's set up with, with two with two batteries. And it's a it's a beautifully done bike. Looks absolutely oh, wonderful. The finish on it was superb. Yeah. yeah just absolutely superb. M- meticulous.
0: But again, I love that and all these bikes we've talked about are all bikes that people are built to ride first. It's about yeah. the purpose first.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah, but exactly. his
0: other vehicle is like the opposite of yeah. everything you said.
1: Yes, his the other vehicle is a trike with an internal combustion motor, which was started out as a drift trike, and he just just, I guess he'd seen people doing these drift trikes, and he thought that sounded like a fun thing to do. So they decided to to build one. Yeah,
0: if you don't know drift trikes, they they have the small, wide plastic rear wheel that gets no traction whatsoever.
3: Yeah, like an old school big big wheel, wheel.
0: and then the front wheel wheel. Was a motorcycle wheel.
1: Right. Like, and when, right. And once they had this thing put together, someone said, hey, that looks a lot like a big wheel. So then they decided to paint it like a big wheel. And it made it look even more like a big wheel. Like the kids, kids toy Mm -hmm. big wheel. With a blower. (laughs)
4: And and this is just a, just a, a,
1: a fun side project that they just did just for the hell of it. Um, so they found, and then they decided to put a bigger motor in it. Um, they found like a Honda, um, like a six and a half horsepower motor that uh, that they threw on it, um, and that yeah, it had a lot more power, and they're able to have a lot more fun. And then somehow they came across a supercharger, and they threw a supercharger. where did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> and then put a Kuryakin intake, uh, like a forced air yeah. intake, on top of that. So this thing has this enormous. You know, blower motor setup in the back of basically a seat with a giant wheel on the front <laughs> yeah. and two little wheels in the back that just spin like crazy and a big stinger exhaust coming out. And that uh, was wicked. Yeah, and he says he's been able to get that up to uh, 40 miles an hour. Did Did you so, get his name? Sideways. Oh uh, yes. Uh, sorry, I didn't mention that. His name is Fred Lux. And um, yeah, he, he and his his wife uh, Tiffany Lux, I believe her name is, who's the the race race car driver. I know. Uh, they they apparently make quite a team and have uh, have a very interesting business uh, where they not only build race cars but they also take on projects for other people who want to build race cars and, and work with them and do a lot of fabrication, construction, engineering, and design. Um, They sound like quite, uh, quite the duo. I I didn't, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to meet them in person uh, because they weren't at the show during the weekend. But but I got to talk with them on the phone, sounds like a really fascinating guy. And I'm glad we had the the chance to chat for a bit. That's
0: awesome. They sound like
3: great, like great neighbors.
1: (laughs) Those (laughs) neighbors, (laughs) that'd be fantastic.
3: Right.
0: Jim, did you discover any good stories?
3: Yeah, I did. And they're a little bit uh, like a slightly different tangent. I'll share two favorite moments. Um, One was us. It was it Saturday night after the show. So we've been at the show all day on our feet for probably 12 hours, um, having a great time. And we've all piled back into the Airbnb. Mm-hmm. And every and we chowed Chinese food, like $100 mm-hmm. worth of ch- Chinese food got eaten in 15 minutes. And then we all settled in and watched old top gear (laughs) (laughs) and it was people are in pajamas they're farting they're going to the bathroom you know we're in this small space and we hadn't done that in quite some time and it was really enjoyable i gotta say thank you everyone it was such a treat to be in a small little airbnb um, in portland watching top gear after a long day of motorcycle show so it'd been a while and i thought that was great uh, well, i'm so bummed I, I
5: missed out on all the farting
3: <laughs> yeah 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 you, you, <laughs> it was you got me at farting
0: it was soiled. you have to announce we it when announce you fart it.
3: yeah it's a thing but here's my <laughs> here's here's my tide for sec, uh type for first place was we're in the, the one show it's getting to be saturday a little late in the day and all of a sudden emma i don't know if you got bored or what you're like Oh, and because people were checking out Tubbo all day long. We haven't even talked about this, but there's a whole thing about Tubbo at the show. Like watching people zero in on it. That's a whole other show, I think. But and all of a sudden, she clicked. It's like about that time of day, we're going to fire it up. So the first motorcycle to fire up in the entire show was Tubbo and the Turbo. And boom, fired right up. She's diddling with it. And then, wah, wah. And people's heads stopped started popping up like meerkats (laughs) all over the place. Like, what was that? What was that? What was that? (laughs) And then she shut it down, of course, and it was hilarious. Then the second motorcycle to fire up at the one show, Emma, we were with, and I I feel terrible because I can't remember her name, but that young lady with the triumph. Yes. And so (laughs) finish the story from there. But we walked down there. We walked down there, and she'd got this –
2: lovely, lovely Triumph Legend, which is 900cc three-cylinder bike. And she was kind of, she she wanted to show me the bike, and it was beautifully done. It's just black Beautiful and bike,
7: yeah.
2: And she said, I've got these really, really good pipes on it that came from England. And I'm like, let's hear them then. And she's <laughs> like, oh, do you think I should? I'm like, come on, fire sure. it up. Fire it up.
5: Yeah, is this uh, a bike show or is it not?
2: Yeah, <laughs> And she Thank you, and she Doug. Fires it up. And she's letting it idle. Come on, let it rip. And she opens it up, and this thing is loud. And it's
3: brah, but it's my, my, epic. My favorite part is—you may not be able to see this—but she looks at Emma and like, "What to do?" And Emma's like, "Full, full grab throttle." She's <laughs> like, "Rip it, rip it." <laughs> the next thing you know, it's echoing throughout the whole thing. It was bitching. So, those are my two favorite moments. It was just doing misfit shit. You know what I mean? But the postscript
2: to that is I fired Tubbo up a second time. And
7: we're going there. We're going there.
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> okay. The story gets better every time. I can't wait for it. we later. <laughs>
2: And I fired up Tubbo a second time because I heard some dreadful child say, well, it probably doesn't even run. No, no. So I fired up Tubbo a second time. This is probably about 8.30, 8.45. And the show had really been organized by um, this lovely lady called Rachel um, who kind of looks like Lucille Ball. Yes, <laughs> in the best way. In, in the nicest way. And she just comes steaming over. Right? <laughs> Oh, no! no. <laughs> and I shuts up our town and this giant blue flame just goes like <laughs> oh, I love it. That's cuz they think it's going to be set on fire. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tubbo has forced induction and you can hear it. There's a lot of hissing going on. When you fire that bike up, it's obvious there's a lot of air being pushed around. It's got a real a tea kettle. turbine noise to it and it is loud as fuck. And <laughs> I, yeah, I got quite the applause. For that. <laughs> no. that's
6: awesome. The, that, other,
0: that was me, when that was when Emma called me and said, "Where are you? I've been kicked out."
3: I <laughs> know we had to hide you as we were exiting. Yeah, you, you're like well, you me,
2: me. me out that night. But actually, we visited with Rachel this morning, and I said, "Rachel, I, I'm I'm really sorry. I hope you didn't think I was being disrespectful." And she said, "No, that's fine." She said, in kind of. I'm kind of glad you did. And I said, well, you know, what you've got to understand is, because she's not a motorcyclist, she was brought in to organize the show. She's used to dealing with artists. And I said, you know, the thing you've got to understand about motorcyclists, I mean, we're borderline anarchists anyway. And so <laughs> it's kind of like herding cats. You know, you expect us to behave. And, you know, that's kind of well, asking a lot for motorcyclists.
3: Yeah, not to tell tales out of school but we were talking to tor earlier when he was gushing over tubbo with his live thing and yeah. Uh, yeah, i think he was he was encouraging a burnout by the end of the night yeah because he basically said the only person's going to kick you out is me and he's like i think you should do a burnout or <laughs> <laughs> we but you thought better <laughs> i didn't do it for that, no well, you know can i talk about tubbo a little bit if you don't mind because yeah. one of the one of the most enjoyable times again was We were just, me and Emma, and I'm sure you all too, just kind of hang over by the side near Tobo and just watch and hang out by the bike and watch people from the show walk by and either notice it or notice it a little bit. But the guys like that notice it and then stop and then take a double look and they're like, what's going on there? And then they start hovering and zeroing in. And it's kind of like, you know, a, a bathtub drain. Little by little, they circle the bike and get closer and closer. And then they eventually, if they're smart enough, Emma, right, they point And they act eventually find the turbo.
0: Yeah, there's, there's extra plumbing on there. What's going on? It's funny
3: because it, it's about three or four or five minutes of watching someone point. Okay, there's that. There's this. What's that? And then there's like nitrous stuff.
2: And, you, know, you, you were talking about that beautiful paint job on the XS650, mm-hmm. which okay. really draws you in. And as nice as the paint job is on Turbo, it's it's really quite plain. It's just pearl, it's really a pearl dusty pink. It's quite a tasteful color. And it was deliberately done that way because, you know, I'm an engineer at heart. So I really wanted the focus on that bike to be on the engineering, not on the paintwork. And so you could see the guys who kind of knew engines that just walked past, oh, yeah, it's a pink gold wing, big deal. And then, like, they'd see the blow-off valve or they'd see the wastegate, and like, oh. Mm. And then they'd kind of zero in <laughs> and, like, you could see them trying to figure out what's what. One of the best descriptions I got was from a guy on Saturday night and he said, you know what this bike is? And I'm like, tell me. And he said... It's like a little anime Japanese girl in pink. And she's going like, I've got a secret. (laughs) And she reaches behind her and pulls out this great big tank buster and blows your head off. (laughs) And that's what that bike is. She's got this big kind of hidden bazooka gun behind her. And I'll take that. I think that's kind of a fun analogy of it.
0: Well Emma, and you got another uh, recognition there. you want to share?: Yeah, around? I did.
2: I actually won an award. Yay! Which, thank you. Yay. Yay. First time out in a nationally recognized show, and it was great, and to me it meant the most because um, um, Tall off, gave me the award for the bite that made him smile the most. And really that's why we do what we do. And he loved the story of the bike and he loved the bike and he just loved people's reactions to it. And so, you know, I want to say it was probably kind of the equivalent of like people's choice or something, or certainly his choice, Mm -hmm. but it was the bike that made him the happiest looking at it. And I think that's just great. I, and it's a great, bag of swag i mean i got you know you get usually get the sweatshirt and a half but i've got this power pack thanks to russ brown attorneys which is great you could jump start a car with it <laughs> nice. it's absolutely wonderful um and a gift certificate 200 bucks worth of boots Oh, nice. how cool is that nice. and a bunch yeah. of stuff in there so it was a really really nice award and it really couldn't have been better, you know? Um Nice. Well, again, congratulations,
0: minutes. golf clap for Emma. Congratulations. Thank you. It
7: took us 20 minutes to get out of the parking lot, not like after we loaded the bike and not because yeah. there was traffic, but because we couldn't drive five feet without people mobbing the truck to say how much they loved the Tubbo, <laughs> yeah. how much they loved Emma. Like you literally – and so we're clear, the parking lot's <laughs> – 150 meters long Yeah, and it, it took us like 20 minutes to get out because everybody was just crowding around loving this damn bike and you
2: know having this kind of badass looking tattooed guy on a modified harley gushing over turbo and saying i love your bike <laughs> yeah. it it really it mean it meant a great deal to me i was i was absolutely thrilled i've had a very very good weekend
0: nice And I wanted to share um, a couple more of my highlights. Um, Got to meet Addison, who has his own podcast there, uh, (coughs) Slacker Moto. You can find him at um, slackermoto.com. It's S-L-A-K-R-moto.com. So, hey, Addison. Also, uh, oh, Eric, with his uh, 82 Kawasaki KZ750 ad there that I loved because – I mean it was a it was a, a good looking cafe racer. He'd done a lot of work, changed out the front end, the rear end, done done a lot of stuff to make it a much better performing bike. But what I thought was the real art was what was underneath the seat. And he was uh, he rewired the whole thing and he'd done such a good job. He added the seat pan under the seat with everything clean and neat and precise. But the other thing I really liked for a lot of people building trackers, cafe racers, stuff like that, when you're putting these aftermarket, like, um, fiberglass or ABS seats on that you have to figure out how to mount it to your frame. And it's always a struggle. Jim's going through that right now. How, where do you bolt it? How do you do that? Um, and he came up with a really clever solution. Uh, Emma, you want to, can you describe what,
2: what he'd he yeah. he done is he used like hood, hood latch pins yeah. and he wood latch pins on the bottom of the seat base and mm-hmm. then the receptacles on the top of the frame. So you kind of had a tongue that went under the back of the tank
4: mm-hmm. that was
2: sliding, really snug fit. And then you just click and the seat had click onto the frame. Mm-hmm. And then when you wanted to release it, you'd, um, you reached underneath and kind of pushed two tangs to the side and release the seat. Very sanitary, very, very clean. It looked good with the seat off. It looked good with the seat on. Just really nice build. Beautiful build.
0: And then, of course, we had so many listeners show up. I am um, I know I'm going to miss a bunch of uh, just offhand. Uh, Paul and Donald and Sean and Alex and Will. Uh, do you remember some others you want to give shout-outs to?
1: Uh, Gavin. Yeah. Um,
3: yeah, I had, a, I had a great time talking to Alex. You know, we had a good time mm-hmm. in the show. I ran into him outside the show. We talked about propri- proprio conception. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: Anyway, look it up. But yeah, it's great um, running into um, people. We ran into so many people. Kenny, I don't know if you mentioned Kenny. Yeah,
2: yeah. Kenny um, you know, people that we've been going backwards and forwards with on Ask me Emma, I think it's Eric and his girlfriend, mm-hmm. wonderful couple that have been working on CB4, CL450. And of course, dear Garth, mm-hmm. who we seem to run into every year. Yeah. And, all these guys are Portland staples. They all hang out at CC Coffee. There's such a vibrant motorcycle scene there. It's it's brilliant. Um, however, you know, me and Mike are actually going to push south. Um, we've
0: we've still got a very very long way to go home, so we're going to actually sign out right Not now. Not yet. Well, almost. Just wait. Want to share the drama? Just wait. There was drama. What drama? Oh, there was drama. Where?
2: I nearly I nearly smashed up Tubbo getting in the back of the truck. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, yeah. There was drama. Wow. Um, and we pulled it off, and it was entirely my own fault. And this is how idiotic I am. Um, so knowing that I was going to spend the majority of my day on my feet today, I picked my most comfortable shoes, which look like that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs>
4: yeah,
0: you wear your heels, okay. When,
2: when we were pushing Tubbo up the ramp, and I was running him, because, you know, mm. Tubbo weighs quite a bit. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to run this bike and run it up the ramp. And I stood on this milk crate at the base of <laughs> the Oh, no. From under me. Ooh. so now I'm kind of holding. Oh on to no! Top, like, oh fuck! And Mike hasn't got much to push at behind either. There's not much real estate back there, and he's like, "Oh fuck!" And we just kind of wang. I just winged it, and I kind of gunned it. Got my knees on the tailgate of the truck, and it kind of dragged me into the car.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! Exactly. Oh good and goodness gracious!
2: It was definitely a show, and entirely down to me. But that was the drama.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, I was going to say there was another show within the show, at the show, that we all really enjoyed. Oh, yes. Yes. And that would be the Seattle Cossacks.
2: Oh, God, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So normally we go around to these events and we do interviews with everyone. And this time we kind of uh, changed it up and thought it'd just be fun just to talk to people. Um Not necessarily on mic, but just to talk to them and and talk about their bikes and get to know them off mic and hear their stories. And that's why we're sharing all these stories. But there was an interview that we did get because uh, it was too good to pass up.
3: Oh, absolutely.
0: So, um, uh, Jim, you want to explain what the Seattle Cossacks are?
3: Yeah, it was pretty neat. You know, we saw pictures beforehand going there. So the Seattle Cossacks Mm -hmm. are a stunt group. And when I say stuntmen, they are. It's more of a drill.
0: It's a drill team, right?
3: A drill team. That's a good way to put it. I I just um, so it's been going on for 80 plus years um, and it's a performance. So I think I want to say they probably have about 20 bikes in total Mm -hmm. and um, they have uniforms. So white shirts blouses you might call them um and then like riding pants that are a no. beautiful maroon jodhpurs. and riding boots they're
0: jodhpurs
3: okay they're those anyway yeah and it's great and they're on these old Harley davidsons so i would say you know 1930s give or take 15 years
0: you know um, i think it was some old uh, salvation army uniforms they were using you know
3: <laughs> not far off not far off and um <laughs> Uh, yeah. And they do performances. So, you know, uh, these Harleys that go low and slow, uh, and you guys can talk more about the mechanics of it, but, uh, and they'll do everything from a couple of guys on these old Harleys in their uniforms. And someone stands on their shoulders. Then there's two people on the shoulders. Then there's people hanging off the bike. Next thing you know, they got like the whole troop hanging off like a bunch of monkeys on a tree. (laughs) on these old 30 harley davidsons Uh you know performing literally and the beauty of it not only are they performing in this parking lot but they're they're going down you know picture a a troop of people on motorcycles i don't know how to describe
0: it
3: a human pyramid on yeah on motorcycles that are you know close to 100 years old going four miles an hour seven miles an hour um 15 feet in the air go down, do a big circle, come back. People are applauding and yelling. And but at and, the end of the circle
0: yes, go ahead. were
3: two sets of railroad tracks yes. that would probably, you know, 50 years ago, run boats down to the river um, and a big puddle of water. So they were doing these tricks over railroad tracks and water. But, you know, I, I'm not sure how to describe it. It's it, it's like performance you would have seen 80 years ago. It was and very these are nostalgic. Very yeah. nostalgic. Very well put.
1: And it's, um, it's very similar to the, the Vespa acrobatics that I described mm-hmm. a couple couple episodes ago when you're talking about different mm-hmm. most motorcycle competitions. And I, I wonder if the Seattle Cossacks may have been the inspiration for that whole Vespa acrobatics idea. Maybe. It's
0: very, yeah. very
3: similar. But, yeah, all working class guys keep day jobs. But some of these guys have been doing it since they were 18. And now they're, I'm guessing, 50. So 40 plus years of doing this stuff. And um it was nuts, but yeah, you guys, you guys did a great interview.
0: Which I'm going to play at the end of this. We're, we're just going to finish this up because I know Emma, Michael, you need to hit the road, right?
2: Yeah, we are. We, we're going to hit the road. I mean, from this point, we've probably got 10 hours driving and rather than do it all tomorrow, we're going to probably do about three hours tonight, drive till about, you know, 10, 11 o'clock tonight. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I know people are going to be listening to this podcast on Monday morning, but right now it is seven o'clock on Sunday night.
0: All right. So before you leave, though, I do want to hear from Michael real quick and the food review at ah, the One Show. Michael, review. give us a synopsis of the food there. Yeah, I
7: mean, like we're not, we're not going to talk about the fact that you came to the fat kid for the food.
0: But
4: I'm <laughs> 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 so so picture's you, you look good. You
7: look good. I I started this. So Friday night I was skinny. Okay. so (laughs) Friday night I was fucking skinny. No, the food, you know, these things are fantastic. Uh, um, The food of these things, we live in a world where food truck culture is a thing and, and it's a good thing. It's a, it's a thing that I'm I'm glad that we have, but they had a couple of joints down there that I want to kind of shout out to by name. The first is a joint called Lardo's Mm -hmm. Uh, Lardo's makes a sandwich. It's, it's, it's sort of like a Portland Philly cheesesteak, right? It's, so it's, yeah. it's kind of like a Philly cheesesteak, but it's definitely got its own Portland vibe, uh, you know, cherry peppers and American cheese. But it was spaghetti.
0: sliced strips of steak, much like you had at breakfast today, Jim. I mean, it was perfectly cooked steak.
7: I mean, the food in Portland is oh. bomb. Oh. Yeah, so Lardo's was on point. Uh, I mean, CC Coffee, their coffee's good. Their pastries are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um chicken and guns chicken and guns chicken oh. and guns oh,
0: oh my god
7: so, um, my last name's mccarthy I'm, I'm irish right you know like like fucking potatoes <laughs> <laughs> it's a currency in my world and these people are rich beyond measure chicken and guns yeah the chicken chicken okay chicken's delicious oh, it's whatever good. it's chicken it's good. there's a million ways to cook chicken there's a million ways to cook potatoes but the way these people do their potatoes
0: which is uh, the guns part the chicken yeah, and the guns uh, yeah. yes oh
7: uh, Go get yourself some chicken and guns if you're in Portland. Get the guns. You're not gonna. You, you know, I, I would walk over there like two, three times a day. And just like yeah, just throw, just throw a bunch of fucking potatoes in a thing. Just twenty bucks, and, and just walk around getting fat on it.
0: And it's, I would say it was kind of like big cut up chunks that were fried in a way that the skin became like a potato chip, and the inside yeah, was still they soft. Were kind
7: of fried hard, you know. They were they were fried yeah. pretty hard, oh. You know, Oh well.
0: With the um, sauces, oh my god!
7: Yeah, they had a chimichurri sauce. They had mm. this ahi sauce, this uh, and with some pickle, with some pickled onions on top. You just, you, you know, you couldn't go wrong. There wasn't a lot of options in food there, but the food options that they had there were so good that after three days of being in the same spot with yeah. the same, basically five food vendors, I was still going back and getting yeah. seconds from chicken and guns. Going back and getting seconds from from, uh, from Lardo's going back and CC coffee and their pastries. Uh, you know, it, it, the days of the days of the hot dog and the, and the, the lukewarm fucking piss no. beer at a motorcycle show are gone. Yeah. You're going to go in there. You're going to eat. You're going to eat well. And, and yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah.
0: There were test rides. There were vendors. Emma and I had a race on these electric inline three wheelers. That was fun. There was a. It was a well who, done. Well, who won? Well, <clears throat> who got lost? <laughs> <laughs> he was. You beat Liza did, too, Emma. Okay. Um. Basically, just to sum it all up, what a great weekend! Congrat. Congratulations to the uh, tour and Tori and the crew at the one show. And
3: thank you very much
0: for putting on a great event. But not just that, for kind of restoring my faith in moto events, because that was the first. Event that was the first time I've flown since COVID. First event I've gone to, and it felt good.
7: I tell you what, you couldn't have wiped a Friday afternoon. I'm walking around there, and you couldn't have wiped the smile off my face with a hammer. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with the bikes. I mean, that was part of it, sure, but like the reality was like just being around people, right? Being yeah. around people, being and being around people that were being really respectful of the fact yeah. that they. We are still in a pandemic, but like, so there was, I, I didn't see anybody walking around mask ass, no, no, you know, like the garbage, right? Masks up, social distance, being really respectful of the space, everybody in it, the bikes in it. And, you know, this, the, the fact that this was the first real social interaction, you know, that a mm-hmm. lot of us had in, in a year uh, with regards to crowds and bikes and all of that. And, and it was just wonderful. You couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't have knocked the smile off my face with a sledgehammer. Great,
1: Yeah. And I I have to say, too, that since since I haven't seen any of you in six months, it was wonderful to hang out and and just just the feeling of being at a show was it was so nice because this this very easily could have not happened. I mean, there's so much that was that was going against, you know, pulling pulling this off. That right. the fact that that Tor and uh, Ra- Rachel what was her name. Yes. Yeah. They they made this happen with just sheer will and determination, and and just just putting in all the work. I mean, it, it was a phenomenal effort, and and it 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 turned out so you know amazingly well. I I know we say this every year, but the one show
2: remains just a unique spectacle. If you only go, if you live on the West Coast, if you live west of the Mississippi, and you only go to one show a year, go to the one show. One show. One show, one show. Really, because it's a complete show. Born Free is great. You know, the Hollister scene is great. There are so many events that are just wonderful. But the one show is just so complete.
0: There's it's no, five. no, See, pre- not- no pretentious people there. No,
2: no, no. <laughs> none. None.
0: None. There's none.
7: like, there
0: were like three. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Emma and Michael, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either leave right now or you can choose what's behind door number two. And that would be stay another 15 to 20 minutes. Let's hear Douglas and uh, John give their report of what happened in the garage. Get, get your feedback uh, from it and answer an email. What do you think? Door number one or door number two?
2: We're going we're to do door number one. I know it's the party okay. poopers. Doug's got it handled. Um, anybody wants to send me an email next week, I'm happy to do so. But we're going to hit the road. I love you all. I understand. Any- all of you came to meet me and loved on me and Turbo. thank you. I had a very, very good weekend.
0: Cool. So let's get um, Report Bagel. I'm sure you'll see them out. You'll pop back in. Um, let's get a report from Doug and John of what happened here in Santa Cruz while we were gone. Fill us in, and then we'll end with the uh, interview with the Cossacks. So
6: yeah, it was it was great. You know, we, we had a marching band come through, and they they played they played all the things, and then a a. a, a you know a bunch of go-go dancers came in like 60 style and did some go-go stuff. And so it was you guys missed the best day that's ever been had in the garage.
5: Yeah, the troop of uh rubber banded butt snappers came through. They came marching yep. through along with the parade. Yep. There's really oh, long so rubber bands and, and God forbid you stand up because you get a rubber band right in the keister.
0: <laughs> no, but you did help help some people and you did uh you got yeah. a bike fixed. Uh
5: Davy came through and did a Trifecta of an oil change in his Ooh. Harley Road Glide. Oh, nice! Uh, the primary and the transmission and the engine. Uh, so that was interesting. I'd never worked on a Harley before, so I hey, wait, with that. And
0: wait, You got oil here and the, here. I held and the
5: bike here? up for him. <laughs> I held the bike straight up and down for him. Um, but it was interesting because the the primary is, um, you know, Harley owners know there's a drain, but you got to take the side cover off to fill it. up. Yeah. Which is kind of weird,
4: <laughs>
5: but yeah, he did a he did a, a fluid change, and then we had a young lady from San Jose come through with a, a blue nineteen ninety four Nighthawk two hundred and fifty that she had bought from mm-hmm. a local uh, mechanic in Santa Cruz, and it needed some going through. It was her first bike; she got it in June, but it only rented it in about 50, 50 miles or something like that, John. Fifty miles, yeah, yeah, fifty miles since June, and the oil was low. the The tire pressure was low um the head the uh valve cover gasket was leaking so we helped her put that uh on and and i took it up and down the road for a little bit and noticed a few other things that needed some adjustment that she probably wasn't too keen on focusing in on or narrowing in on uh yeah super fun bike very zippy throttle response was great um
0: jim when was the last time you rode a a a nighthawk
3: 250 <laughs> <laughs> i'll say it's been too
0: long you know it's
3: been too long Nighthold, it's a great one
0: yeah. big fan
3: yeah yeah super fun bike um well and, and uh, accessible right doug it's like you go to work on it and you're like oh this yeah, I, i've worked on harder yeah, things right yeah
5: everything's right there everything's the, right the there. bike doesn't weigh anything either so i mean yeah. single carb for two cylinders super easy to work on
3: Mm-hmm. so it's good it's a great person it's a great bike to teach someone to work yeah. on because it's not like an inline four it's mm-hmm. like oh guess what you get four carburetors it's like yeah. look that's yeah, right definitely. there and this is how you do it so that's mm-hmm. cool yep
5: nice. you No, know, having
6: to yeah, sink up was to, to work too so she they had to clean it we had to clean up the uh the valve cover so i you know had her back there you know getting all the gunk and garbage mm-hmm. off of that so so but she was like totally down so she helped them. Um, she helped put the everything back together and was really eager to learn. So it's always great when somebody like that comes in and really. Yeah, she to. was
5: she was stoked uh, leaving mm-hmm. that place, and you know that bike is all that much safer now. It's not leaking yeah. oil, and tire pressure is good, and the, the brakes were you know out and of uh, I, adjustment. So
0: I love I just love hearing that though because this is exactly what the whole you know reason for the garage is, and I also just love the fact that um, when I help people like many of you that I've helped you know out. I feel good about it. And then to know that mm-hmm. you guys are able to step in and do that same thing and feel good about that too. Well, we learned cool.
5: it from watching you Liza. Oh, stop. That's exactly right. No, <laughs> I
0: love that you guys enjoy that too. It is satisfying yeah, to be able to help and, someone.
5: And rewarding at the same time. It is. And you just get to pass on this, this stuff that can, you know, it's uh, it's good shit to know.
0: It's helping the motorcycle community. It's that, mm-hmm. that simple. Well, yeah, and, and
5: she'll, she'll be back
6: too. Cool. and Doug, Well, it's passing on to the next generation, too, which mm-hmm. is critical yeah. if we're going to have new riders.
0: And, Doug, you had a, a topic you wanted to bring up. And, Jim, oh, I, Jim, you and I can relate to this from something happened to us recently.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah you should tell that story. Uh, you know, I'm sure this is nothing that hasn't been discussed already at length. Um, I just had an experience yesterday that was very positive uh, coming back from San Jose to, to Santa Cruz. And for those of you who don't know, you need to go over the summit, which is Highway 17. It's about 13 miles of very windy, 50 it's mile a racetrack. an hour. It's a racetrack for motorcycles. Yeah, <laughs> it is a racetrack. So yeah. I, I was on the San Jose side, and uh, I was I was lane sharing. Um, it's a two lane highway, and uh, I was traffic. You know, it's Saturday afternoon, and people are going to Santa Cruz to go to the beach. So it's pretty backed up at the, uh, between Los Gatos and, and Summit. Beach uh, so traffic, sharing, yeah, beach traffic.
6: And, and lane sharing
5: uh, is legal in California. Lane sharing is legal as long as you uh, take it easy. And so I noticed uh, behind me, there was two bikes that seemed to wanted to go faster than me in the, in the, in the lane sharing lane. So it's fine. I pulled over to the left lane and let them go. And they waved and gave me the thumbs up for the cool bike and everything. And I was like, you know, fuck this. I'm going to ride with them. Cause you know, it's safer lane splitting uh, in a group where you have more mass where people can see you. So stay together. And, and I just zipped up and followed them. Uh, the rest of the 13 miles to Santa Cruz. And, you know, they weren't riding out of their limits or anything, very safe, using indicators, using hand signals, and not taking stupid chances. And they were seemed very welcome to have me in the group with them. Um, And I felt that much safer uh, traveling with, you know, two other people in a group instead of by myself. Um, And what the thing I wanted to bring up was the,
0: uh, what do you call it? silent communication are we playing games now <laughs> the code the, the protocol the, the protocol. protocol okay uh
5: you know the unwritten rule or yeah. you know about joining people you don't know and information with them on the road and picking up on subtleties and clues that would make you think that yeah it's cool if they want me to ride with them or you know if they don't want me to ride with them and uh and this experience I had yesterday I felt very welcomed and they were very like you know just looking at me waving, gesturing me on and everything. And it's not like, you know, I felt like they were escorting me at all, but it was just cool to be welcome into a group. And then when I took my exit, I waved to them and they waved back and it was business as usual. So um, the etiquette, the etiquette is it can vary of course um, Mm -hmm. on demographic or uh, geographically, you know, in California and other parts of the world. Where you know lane sharing or lane splitting is is okay or acceptable, I'm just curious to what well the etiquette is around the world or even in other parts of California.
0: I, I can share with you it's not just lane splitting. I've had a similar experience that is m- much more common when you're long distance traveling, and that is similar in that I've um, you know riding by myself, you'll suddenly be riding alongside one alongside someone. And then it's like, you're just kind of riding together. And you're like, hey, what's up? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you get off to get gas together. And you're like, hey, what's up? Hey, like, nice, your bike. What's your name? Da, 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 da. Yeah, you want to go on up and get lunch at this place? Yeah, I know a cool place. And you end up like riding with them for a day or two sometimes, you know? And it's like, there's this camaraderie amongst motorcyclists out on the mm-hmm. road. And you experience that in, in just a smaller portion. I've experienced that multiple times in long distance riding, where you just buddy up with somebody who you just run mm-hmm. into at a rest stop or something or maybe you pulled over on the side of the road to check hey did you need something uh no i'm just changing and you know, putting on a jacket and like hey you want to ride together yeah it's cool you had that um d- uh jim you remember it was a few months ago when we were, were riding up from like monterey and we got blazed by those that oh group yeah well, of
3: that, was a, that was a shit show yeah that's exactly yeah, i was there too yeah. with, with Doug's that's right about, yeah. john
0: you were there yeah. too
3: yeah. yeah that was yeah, crazy that was
0: <laughs> Not only were they wow. – well, we were in the lane riding information. They were riding in the middle of lane one and two, splitting, and in the uh, breakdown lane. The shoulder. The yeah, shoulder on the, the left the side. But I, I, I That get, was, yeah, not good. Yeah,
3: I get what Doug's saying, though, because I commute over 17, too, and this happens a lot where – and I think you just – sometimes you end up jiving with people that ride the same way that you do. Um, cause a lot of times on 17 people pass me, you know, I'd be aware I move over, I give them a little hand gesture so they know I'm there and then they can lane share in between me and traffic. Um, but there's a lot of times where I pass people do the same thing, but every now and then you line up with people that a ride similar to you, same like, you know, say mm-hmm. aggressiveness or not so much, um, and they, and I think they realize it is more safe. You know, it's better to have a couple of bikes moving through traffic than being by yourself. And, and honestly, I think it's a lot of fun as long, you know, cause you know, pretty, if it's going to be a race or not, and I typically, I'm like, I'm not going to race over 17. So you'd bow out of that. <laughs> um, but when you do find someone that lines up, like Doug was saying, I think it's a lot of fun and I'm not like, you know, I'm not going to go over and see if they want to have pie later. I'm like, Doug, I'll wave at the exit, mm-hmm. but I think it's a lot of fun, you know, to, to have that camaraderie that exists, you know, non-verbally. And when it happens, it's a cool thing. Yeah.
4: yeah.
0: Oh, uh, we had this was a couple of years ago. Doug, um, Jim, and I were riding again, uh, coming from I think Hollister or something. Is that one twenty nine that cuts through to Watsonville? Yeah, yeah, one twenty. Uh, yeah. And remember, for for like a year, they were doing construction there, so they had a stoplight at both ends of this windy road um, because they were only had one travel direction at a time. And so you'd have to wait at this stoplight, and so we're on our bike. So we filtered up to the front because this is now—it's an awesome road, but it usually has. But it's trucks a dangerous it. road. It's, it's dangerous. A fatal, it's...
3: There's a there's fatalities regular on that road because it's quarry trucks. It's narrow. There's nowhere to go.
0: And it follows a river, so it's kind of windy, um, and it's only like a mile or two that this section. Right. So we filter up, and there was another motorcyclist who filtered up behind us. But we knew the deal. We knew when that light turned green, we've got a free and empty road. <laughs> and we took off. Wah, wah, just blaring. And this guy was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he just stayed with us. He didn't try and pass us. He wasn't doing anything stupid. Just stayed with us. And we were we were not trying to like race or anything. But picking up the speed and, and using more of the lane, you know, and just had a great ride and we get to the end we slow down and we finally get up to the next light and he pulled up and he goes that was awesome (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah so i love when that happens so yeah i'm glad that you experienced that
5: and i've noticed (laughs) so uh riding solo when i'm wearing the mc patch versus not Mm -hmm. people come up behind me they're more likely to um get information with me. If I'm not wearing the MC patch,
3: Interesting. if I'm wearing Interesting. the MC
5: patch, they tend to hang back.
3: Interesting. Well, you know, it's, it's funny on 17, um, you know, there's an ebb of flow of a few motorcycles. And if you commute, you kind of see some of the same ones every now and then. My favorite dude is there's this, um, an HA guy that we commute around the same time and he just rips up the middle. No matter what the speed is, cars could be going 35 miles an hour and he's lane splitting. Cars could go 75 miles an hour. He's still lane splitting. And it's awesome because any time I see him coming up, I'm like, you can pick him out now because of the headlight. I roll over, um, go move over. He goes past and gives me a little wave. I'm like, which is kind of nice. But then I tell you what, the Harley died. He, the HA guy didn't give a, f- a you know what. He's like, whoa, and he's hauling ass. So I, Whenever I see him, I just fall right behind him. Because he charges, he always loses me. Because I'm like, I'm not going to go through that fast. Uh, but I love it when he comes through as a patch guy because he's hauling ass. Nice.
0: <laughs> well, I wanted to get a couple emails, and one in particular, um, we're going to have to make a decision here. You remember last week we talked about what we we chose our top ten motorcycles of all time. And um, I'm, I'm still kinda, waiting to hear that.
5: I wish I would have stayed on for that. Uh, the yeah. Goldwing, really?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, we're still waiting to hear from the Cleveland Motor Guys what theirs are. But uh, of course, a lot of people commented, and there were bikes that they thought should deserve to be there. But the thing is, they didn't say, "Well, what bike do you take off then? Tell me why mm. that bike belongs on there more than any of the ones that we put on there." Because we said, "Why." So I've got an email from Michael Leonard, and he's making a good good pitch here. All right. He says, hey, misfits, I email email y'all too much. I need real-life friends who care about motorcycles. Um, I'm chucking my hat in the ring for a bike not even mentioned last week for top 10 bikes. I say you should replace the 1984 HD Evo with the HDWLA for the exact opposite reason of why Emma brought up the Evo. Uh, So he's going to tell us, make his pitch. And then I think we're going to decide if we're going to make this call or not. So the HDWLA, if you guys don't know, it's really, it was the army bike. It's, It's the one that changed really a lot of the motorcycle world. Uh, so after after World War II, so many returning GIs bought the WLA as surplus. That is arguably the bike that built the enthusiast culture. The Evo was stepping away from. I've always regarded that bike as the genesis of so much of the U.S. biker culture. It was the beginning of the love affair with V twins. It was customized in every direction possible. Uh, I've heard it credited as the source of the chopper rake, and it solidified Harley-Davidson as the motorcycle in the U.S. All true. I mean, this is where um, choppers and bobbers came from, too. Uh, Even though the stock bike is one of those old, reliable bikes Liza was railing against, it's so prolific, I think it deserves to at least be shot down as a candidate. Out of curiosity, would you give credit to any other individual bike for the Harley-Davidson's? for the Harley Davidsons are for enthusiast sentiment, the EVO changed. I think something ought to be at least alluded to as the source of the 1%, the wild one image that gave us the hetero leather daddy culture we know and probably make fun of today. Not the guys in fringe, though. They mostly ride Indians and they're goddamn delightful. Much love from slightly drunk Mike in South Carolina. Um Woo-hoo! It is a very good argument because if you're talking about uh, yeah. our criteria, historically significant, um, the WLA is with uh, all those GIs coming back and buying them. They, they were turning them into hill climbers and they they, they made them everything yeah. here in the U.S. Well, you know, the,
3: the, the obvious thing is the whole army thing and all that. But, uh, you know, we had this conversation watching the, the, the Seattle Cossacks perform. Mm-hmm. If you look at the bike, it is super classic Harley. You know, it's got that nice kind of fat round gas tank with the uh, instruments on the top of it. You know, the seat is basically a bicycle seat, right? It's like a post and seat yeah. that goes in there. Um, but the nice big fat tires, um, you know, it, it, when you think about an iconic Harley, it's hard to disagree that this is not an iconic old school Harley. Just the look of it. The gas tank, the mm-hmm. seat, the big ass tires, the fenders. Well- um, so I think he's got a case.
0: And I think that there's been a couple generations of bike that locked Harley in for another, you know, decade or two or three. That's the thing. The reason Harley has been able to be around, as long as it has, is because of many models. I I believe that Emma was saying that the uh, Evo was the biggest jump in evolution in the motor and the reliability, because you have to remember the reliability of Harley's wasn't there until the Evo came along.
6: See, that would be my other argument then is that, you know, Harley was, was a brand that was struggling and the know the, the Evo, while maybe it didn't bring it up to like present day in terms of technology, it definitely brought it forward a couple of decades at least and may have not, you know, Harley may have not been able to come back um, from the brink at that point too. So I don't know.
0: I'll be honest. I'm kind of feeling like they both have good arguments and I'd be willing to let them share the same spot. Being a Harley Davidson, two models that significantly uh, had an impact on American motorcycling. What do you guys think about that?
6: Was there any other Harley in the list?
0: That was it.
6: Yeah, the XR didn't make it in.
0: But no.
1: Oh, I mean, how how much? when when was the, when was the Evo
0: introduced? Was that eighty uh, five? Yeah, eighty six, something like that.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, because that was that was following shortly after right. the AMF days, right? Yeah. It was. Yeah. So
0: So I'd be fine with letting him split. I think that he's made a good argument, but there wasn't a huge leap in um in technology with the bike. It was just a matter of time and history. And it's well one is
6: cultural and the other is technological.
0: I know. That's why I'm like, I'll split the yeah. difference. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I think that's all right, cool. All right, uh, we got two more people that need some help. Uh, this one is from Alex, who's wanting a new bike. Ooh, these are our hey Alex. I says, hello, misfits. I need a little advice. I currently own an 04 Honda Shadow Sabre VT 1100C2. I like those. I know absolutely nothing about motorcycles, and I know that it's getting to an age that stuff is going to start breaking down. It's an 04. Mm, yeah. I mean, not really. It's a Honda. Uh, my wife is 1000% against me getting a new bike, but I am wanting to get a 2021 Indian Scout 60. That's a good looking bike. They run about 9,000 and she thinks that's too much. So basically what I'm getting at is, do y'all have any advice that you can give me to get my wife to understand that when the bike does st- does start to have issues, it could cost potentially thousands to fix. And it makes for sense uh, for me to get a new one since I will be doing no work on the bike and I will have to take it to a shop, pay a lot in labor. Thanks yeah. for any help.
5: Here's your bit of advice. Start off with, I need a new Kawasaki H2. <laughs> <And then laughs> your way away. Right down to what you actually want. <laughs> and his and problem is, is he's he's got a Honda. <laughs>
6: That's his problem. <laughs> if, you know. If it was a, a different brand, it may be a different story. A Ducati, you'd be like,
0: yikes. <laughs> yeah. You guys are missing the obvious here. Oh. I think he should encourage his wife to get into riding, and you know what would be a great first bike for her? Mm-hmm. A Honda Shadow Sabre VT1100C2. That's
3: a great, yep. I tell you, the Elijah, you got to write a book. Uh lesbian <laughs> advice for straight couples.
0: <laughs> um The Honda Shadow is a great bike. Here's the thing. If you're wanting it to be a daily rider, an o4 I mean it's still hanging in there, but it is gonna start needing some things. That's
6: shaft drive, right?
0: Yeah. You and it's
6: a, carbureted, right?
0: Uh, uh, might be fuel injected. I don't remember on this one. Um mm. You have a couple things. You sound like you're really against working on it, and I would highly recommend that you do work on it because this is the perfect bike to learn how to do basic maintenance. You've got uh, videos on YouTube, as we discussed uh, recently, to watch. You can get a manual. It's simple to maintain. It's not going anywhere. Also, this bike is a fun bike if you do want to turn it into a custom or a bobber, but it sounds like he's not wanting to really wrench and cut and stuff. Um, But the reality is, because it is a a, a Honda um, cruiser, it's going to hold its value pretty good. So whatever money you have to put into it to maintain it and fix it, it's not going to keep depreciating very much. These bikes are solid bikes. You're still going to be able to get your money out of it. Right? So I would try and get her into riding. (laughs) I would work that angle. Uh, An Indian Scout... For nine grand, that sounds like a really good price.
3: Well, it is, you know, the one thing though, I'm thinking if you're going to buy a a modern street bike um, and I think it's, it's pretty accessible now and affordable are um, electronics like ABS traction control, things like that. I don't, the scout is a sweet bike. Mm. It looks great. I think it's awesome, but I don't think you get any of the kind of the modern stuff that you might get at the same price. I'm like, you know, with like the new KZ 900 stuff like that, I'm wondering if, you know, if you could get a little bit more technology for the, the price, if you are going to go new, you know, I still go with you stick with what you got, but if you're going to go new, take advantage of some of the technology, if you can.
6: Well, it depends on what, st- what kind of bike you want. But like today, one of the, uh, the rebel 11 hundreds came through uh, the garage mm-hmm. and uh, that, nice. that would be a great step.
0: Yeah, up there. Totally.
6: And, and they're not that expensive.
0: Yeah. So you got a, com- a couple different ways you can go. Um But The other question is, why do you want to get rid of your Sabre? Just because it sounds like the bike is still running good. It hasn't developed any problems. You're not getting rid of it because you keep having to take it to the shop. You really just want a new bike. That's what's happening. So get it. So get it.
3: and and keep buy something.
0: So get it. Yeah, you need to figure out how to uh, earn some bonus points with your lady friend. That's what you need to do. Get my (laughs) drift. So good luck on that. Um, Yeah. What's the
6: formula? D minus one. D
0: minus one.
6: (laughs) You got to remember that.
0: That's the number. (laughs) All right. We got time for one more. And this one is from Nick from Michigan. He says, hey, Misfits, big fan of the show. I started listening last fall and have been hooked ever since. I recently purchased a complete and all original 1969 Honda CB350 K1 with 6,200 miles on the clock, mm. oh my god! Wow. The fact that this is all original has not been caffeed is sounds amazing. Uh, this machine has been sitting for the last 20 to 25 years, and it belonged to the father of a coworker who purchased it brand new in 1970. My intention for the bike is to do a Mad Max style cafe brat build. Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Ah, you got me.
3: With rivets. We're going to put rivets on
0: it. (laughs) (laughs) My actual plan is to get the bike back on the road and clean it up the best I can while retaining the current patina. Good plan. Good plan. So far, I've verified that all the light works, horn functions, starter turns the engine over, and that I have spark in both cylinders. This leads me to a couple of questions. Outside of the obvious maintenance tasks like carb clean, oil change, oil filter clean, cam chain tension, setting valve lash, setting timing, brakes, tires, etc., what would you view as critical for getting this machine back on the road and reliable after sitting this long? And two, with regards to cleaning and polishing the chrome and aluminum, do you have any recommended products for taking off the surface rust and oxidation without marring the surface? As an FYI, this is not my first bike, nor my first vintage Honda, and I am quite when it, confident when it comes to working on motorcycles. Thanks for the help. So, uh, what should he expect to do? Well, You got to remember, on anything this age, anything rubber has to come off. So, fuel lines, um, possibly brake lines, because those get old, hard and crack. Um, seals. Yeah, seals, stuff like that. Um, really on a bike that's been sitting 20, 25 years, you could do the basic little things and get it running and ride it down the road. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be safe. And it's definitely not going to be reliable at all. For something like that, you really need to go through. Your steering bearings are going to be stiff. um, Your brake pistons are going to be getting stuck. Wheel bearings. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, wheel bearings. I mean, it's really... Going through everything, but these CB350s are great for that. And oh,
4: yeah,
0: um, you can still get parts for them, but um, let's see, carb clean, oil. Oh, yeah, take everything apart. But I love that he's going to keep the patina. That's it, just remember rubber. So, like on the brake pistons, there's a rubber seal, and that yeah. starts to get cracked, can leak, or it can get stuck, and that piston can ride on the uh on the rotor and then it can heat up and boil the brakes and get and suddenly come to a stop um
5: yeah we went pretty in depth with this a couple pe- episodes ago didn't we with yeah. all the plastics and rubber and shit that <coughs> wear out over years
0: uh i mean brake pads may not be good this is a brake shoes this is 69 this is going to break shoes i think But I
6: mean, what about the internals i mean is it ultimately really is you need to tear down
0: well, wiring oftentimes may still be there, but you're not going to have good connections. A lot of things. You say you have a spark. Do you have a strong yeah. spark? And that's another thing is cleaning the contacts on every single light socket, stuff like that. I mean, bagel, you run into this kind of stuff.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you're going to need to go through you know electrical connections, troubleshoot where there where there's the current's not flowing through, figure out what's corroded, what needs to be replaced. Um, you know, there's, yeah, there's there's, a lot of troubleshooting that's probably needed on a bike that's been sitting for that long.
4: Yeah.
5: And, mm-hmm. you know, the copper wires that sit there, once the oxidation starts on one end, you, you got to follow that wire as long yeah. as it takes to stop that oxidation. You got to give it a couple inches to nip
4: that off, too. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and also with the engine, um, I would take a very good look at the oil that comes out of there when, when you change it, um, just to see what's been happening in there. Because if there's a lot of condensation that's developed in the crankcase mm-hmm. and the the oil comes out all milky and cappuccino looking, you could have some really bad corrosion problems inside of there.
0: Uh, what do uh, you think about doing um, like a kerosene soak?
1: Honestly, I don't I don't know if that really does a lot of good. Um, well, it can
0: un- unstick piston rings.
1: It could. Yeah, if, if you have stuck piston, sure.
0: And it also helps get any gunk out that might be flowing back into your uh, oil. Mm,
1: I don't know. I mean, you you can try to use kerosene to dissolve deposits and stuff, especially if it's been sitting for a long time, mm-hmm. and that may help. But you really need to flush that out well. Um, yeah. Probably, you know, probably do you know, fill it up with oil, run it once, and then drain the whole thing again, and re change the oil after that.
0: I I think uh, another thing that a lot of us have encountered, I'm going to give you a big tip. Get a good fuel filter. Uh, The tank will probably have some rust in it, even if you can't see it. Uh, Get a good fuel filter. Actually, buy about four or five of them, and you're going (laughs) to start swapping them out every now and then. Let those fuel filters take the hit. Um, And
5: the best thing I've used for... Rust in the tank and from Miss Emma was a metal rescue
4: Mm
0: -hmm.
5: and it's an overnight soak. But man, that, that gas tank was immaculate the next day.
1: Nice.
0: And as for cleaning and polishing chrome and aluminum, aluminum is a little bit harder because aluminum actually has a clear coat on it. Um, so to be able to polish it, you have to actually remove the clear coat first. Um, so that's a bit harder. You can do tricks like sometimes using apple vinegar, stuff like that to help with the, or you can use CLR if you do have any of those white deposits, um, 3M pads, but you're basically taking down the clear coat that you're going to have to. It, it's hard. You have to you know, do take care of the clear coat. As for the chrome. Yeah. I just like WD-40 and a 4-aught steel wool. No. Yes. No. <laughs> I know. No. I'm telling we you. About you. you.
1: <laughs> you will scratch the chrome.
0: No. Use, it's, use it's, a- it's, already, it's already got stuff on it, Bagel. You're not going at it a perfectly beautiful chrome with it. It's
6: going to be pitted Trust already. Trust me. Remember the yeah. guy
0: we were talking about, uh, who Doug, who had the, the Triumph uh, that he restored beautifully from mm-hmm. his friend? He told me he used WD-40.
1: Right and, and, and for
0: hot steel right. wool,
1: and you can do that. But what I'm saying is that there there are probably better chemical solutions used, use. Like CLR will take off rust off of chrome too. So you know use use that first. You know save the steel wool for stuff that's <clears throat> that's really badly pitted where the, where the surface is already damaged. Yeah, use it on there. But where the chrome you know, it just has some you know some stain and corrosion on it. Try it with a with a, a chemical first, um, you know, like CLR. As, even, even semi-chrome polish will take off a lot of, of crud that's on chrome.
0: As long as you're using the WD-40. That's the important part. If you don't use it dry. With the steel wool, you mean. Yeah, you don't use, yeah, you use plenty of WD-40. It lubricates it. It breaks up the rust. It takes it off. It's a great tool to use. Yeah. But do not take it to perfectly brand new chrome. We can yeah. all agree on that. Um, well, that pretty much covers it. Um, I wanted
5: well, to a one yeah. thing. Yeah. Before we yeah. Really yeah. cut yeah. loose. Uh, so I have a a, a new crush.
0: Ooh. Oh. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah.
5: No Uh-oh. no no no. It's not what you think. No. It's not what you think. Oh nope. no. What? Uh, the other day I was uh talking with a friend, and the new Kawasaki Z four hundred came up.
0: Oh wait, and... did Micah get one?
5: No, Micah got a, a new CBR. Uh. This is a CBR 300. This is the see the second iteration of the Kawasaki Z400. I think there was a late 70s, early 80s model, but mm-hmm. this is the 19. I'm sorry, 2019, 20, uh, and the 21 version just came out too. Um, mm-hmm. It's got nice. a seat height of 30.9, and I was in the San Jose dealership a couple of days ago, and I sat on a couple of these and. They at three sixty three wet produces about 45 horsepower at 10,000 RPM. Now, if that's not a good combo, I don't know what is. And it seems when it's between your legs seems a lot lighter than it is. Mm. Um, and I, I can't wait to test drive one of these. So if anybody's got one of these <laughs> and wants to swing by the garage. Uh, I think the leaky
0: has one, doesn't she?
5: Yeah, is I'm that- not sure. Um, they look fantastic. It's, it's basically uh you know a Ninja 400 without the fairings on it, and they come a grand cheaper from the dealership. So this is yeah, five thousand right. after fees and stuff. It's about six out the door, but the fared version is about seven out the door,
0: right?
5: And doesn't look nearly as good as the naked version. Now, mm. so that's my new crush. Well, Who you want to talk about your last?
0: other crush? Oh, the other you? new
5: crush. Yeah, so yeah. on <laughs> on the Facebook Marketplace, there is a 2003 Italian imported GPZ.
0: The gray market,
5: right? Um, but registered in California, mm-hmm. uh, asking what thirty five, and then dropped down to thirty or twenty two hundred. And he lives in my town in Felton, California.
0: So it's either a GPZ five hundred or five fifty.
5: It's advertised as a five fifty. Uh, on the side of the bike, there's stickers oh, that say five hundred. You know so. why
0: it might be? Well, because GPZ five fifty was the only what was brought to america and he may have listed it somewhere where didn't you have to do the drop down and doesn't give you the option because it's gray market oh
5: that's
6: i don't know
0: if
5: they i don't know i don't know if it makes you do that on facebook marketplace or not but um yeah anyway there was nothing in the in the ad saying oh it's actually a 500 yeah um either way the bike looks ridiculous fun it's immaculate it's gorgeous and uh this was one of my first fast bikes was a 85 uh mm-hmm. Kawasaki GPZ 550 that Liza acquired for me for my birthday because yes, she demanded she demanded money for it. <laughs> Happy birthday, you owe me. <laughs> Happy birthday, you owe me 450 bucks.
4: <laughs> so,
5: but that yeah, that bike was super cool. It had the full on race fairings and everything, but um yeah, this one uh that I that I ran across on Facebook the other day is, is another crush as well. So hopefully Ooh. uh if everything falls into place, I'll be trucking that bike home.
3: To say yes. It's not sold already because <laughs> to it,
5: it's tonight. too gorgeous to, to be on to be on on, on a, for sale for over a week for that low money. It seems too good to be true.
0: So Douglas, let me check. The last time I checked with you, you're still not married, right? You see any rang on that fanger? So the formula for <laughs> I mean, you one, is N plus one. <laughs> 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 nice. To say
5: yes. Yeah, N plus infinity.
0: Well, cool. I can't wait to see what you come up with. Yeah. <laughs> You're nuts. Um, but I wanted to again big thanks to to Douglas and, and John for running. Yeah, the we had a, a great time gone.
3: today and it was, yeah, it was gorgeous great. out. Oh Cat. So um, I got it. Can I can I brag on Doug a little bit? Yeah. So Liza's lurking on her spy camera this morning, <laughs> watching Doug open the garage. <laughs> and she's like, What's he doing? What's he doing? What's he, he's you going through stuff. What he's what going
0: people, through stuff. What's he what doing?
3: People, what people what people are normally doing in there. Um <laughs> yeah. and she goes, He's neatening up. He's cleaning. I thought she was gonna cry. He was, <laughs> was gonna, bat, you know, try to bust you doing Lord knows what. I and was, there you were I was trying to find
5: a proper place to rub one out.
3: <laughs> Which is what I was doing.
5: <laughs> but it was oh, fun. It was cool
3: because, like, we're watching. And all of a sudden, Doug's picking up and cleaning. It was cool.
4: Yeah, got the
5: eye like, of sour I on I was really looking it at everything every for five minutes before John showed up, too. So yeah.
6: that's how you, you knew I got there. That's you called me right after that. Uh-huh. Oh, see, I, you I thought Doug got told there. You I just got there.
0: Oh, yeah, you walked in the tent, checked out the KLR, went over to talk to him. I know Rubbed I was looking at you, the camera right in front of you when you went back to the KLR, and I'm like, so what do you think about those hand covers I got? <laughs> and you're just Last looking at the mic well I think I'm like I'm like wave I'm looking right at you
3: <laughs>
5: <laughs> it didn't, didn't click huh
0: yeah I think I didn't
5: rub
3: one out
0: but <laughs> you yeah you gotta
3: get the, the camera where you can talk through it you gotta be able to like talk through it now we gotta get upgraded. upgrade I know like well, I can't hear my
0: doorbell
5: I get to hear your voice every time I go to the garage gym because that stupid <laughs> motion sensor comes on. oh good lord there <laughs> I go shut
3: up Jim <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately it doesn't <laughs>
0: yeah so Uh, Thank you guys for running. Um, Yeah, of course it it let us go to the show uh, and, and have a great time and to see the Cossacks. Um, Mm. And before I play that interview, I just wanted to, again, thank everyone who came out and said hi to the, to us at the show, uh, to everyone at the one show uh, and Tiffany. Hey, Tiffany, who came out to see Mm us and, um,
3: yeah, she's also, awesome.
0: Also, just to all of our listeners in general, I mean, we were talking about we love we love what we do because uh, when listeners come up, they feel like they're part of us, and we well, kind of are. immediately feel like they're part of us too. Like we know that you're our people. You
4: know,
3: they totally are. Well, next thing you know, you're watching the Cossacks, and there's like your podcast family, and it's like, hey, so it is. It is part of the family. It's really fun. It makes the events great. I yeah, I, I love running into people. It's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, so big thanks, and um, also thanks to everyone who sends us the emails. i still got a couple more that we haven't gotten to, but um, if you'd like to send one, you can send it to RecycleMotorcycleGarage at gmail.com. Also, um, if, uh, you should be tuning in to Cleveland Moto Podcast so we can see what their top 10 is. I can't wait to see what they come up with. It Maybe they have a Bonneville. <laughs> oh, John. <laughs>
3: oh. <laughs> oh, John. They're going to be my favorite podcast
0: after
3: that. They need to weigh in on the BMW.
0: So I think we're not going to sign out now. We're just going to let the interview play out. Um, We interviewed uh, the captain. He had this look, this great long white beard, and he had the whistle.
3: He had the whistle. And
0: if somebody made a mistake and you made the captain mad, you know what happens? The plank comes out. (laughs) <laughs> they run you over. And they run yeah. you over. <laughs> yep. They run you over. <laughs> they put on such a great show. If you get any chance at all to check out the Seattle Cossacks, you should do that. Um, great, just great. But also just seeing that, for me, having been obsessed with motorcycles for this long and, and never having seen that there are people who are still keeping this art alive in the motorcycle culture. So it just was like... Pfft, Mind blowing for me, like how did I not know this doesn't this exists, you know? Uh, so we're gonna listen to that now. Thanks everyone. See ya. So, what we're doing
8: next is called the spread eagle. Watch where we put Nadie with the ball a guy in the middle? We're gonna spread him open like a chicken wing. You know how you wish on a chicken wing? What's what we do with him. He's gonna lay down in between both those Harleys. See, he's laying down now. He's got the crash bars. He's got his toes back there on the right-off stand. And we're gonna spread him apart like a chicken wing. Are you ready? Get your cameras. Oh, we're gonna put a guy in the middle of his back to upside down. Upside down in the middle of his back if that wasn't enough pressure. That takes a lot of strength, ladies and gentlemen. Holding two Harleys together with a guy in the middle of your back. I bet the chiropractor loves him. Ah, you didn't drop him. Give a hand to O'Neill,
2: that's a lot of strength. Okay, hey there. We're coming to you from the one show in Portland, Oregon. We've got some great interviews going this weekend. This one, to me, is the most exciting of all. We are with, is it the Cossacks of Seattle or the Seattle Cossacks? The Seattle
9: Cossacks.
2: Cossacks. The, Seattle Cossacks motorcycle stunt team. They have been running continuously for 80 years. And I think we've got some of the original members <laughs> right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I feel that all the day. Um, <laughs> gentlemen, please introduce yourselves and with a brief description of who you are, what you do, and perhaps how long you've been riding for the Cossacks. We'll start with me. I'm the
10: oldest guy on the team. When I started, I was the youngest man on the team. My name is Andrew Nicholson. I've been riding with the Seattle Cossacks for over 31-plus years on a 1947 Harley-Davidson, and that bike and me have never missed a show in 31-plus years.
2: Congratulations.
9: My name's Sam Chedister, I'm the captain of the Seattle Cossacks and I've been the team 30 years and I ride a 1949 uh, flathead in the team. Uh, my name is George Wright. Uh, I'm 17 years old and I'm currently an apprentice for the Seattle Cossacks and wow. I've been doing it since I was around 12 years old.
0: And that's one thing I love. I've been fascinated watching you guys. I love the age difference that everybody has the same Passion, regardless of age. Him look the
9: same age. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, and you're all grinning like idiots I'm, out there.
2: I, <laughs> actually, I've been a really good girl this year, so perhaps I can have a puppy for Christmas. <laughs> 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 so, um, you guys put on a great show. I feel that here in Portland, we haven't given you the best hand. Um, there was rain last night. And you're negotiating railroad tracks. <laughs> yeah, that's a and, first for us. <laughs> and it's... Um, there were a couple of spills, a couple of hiccups. And I know you haven't performed for a year, so you're all probably a little bit rusty. But what a show. It's Thank you. absolutely fantastic. And I have to say, it kind of added to it a little bit. Because the danger element. Exactly. (laughs) What you do is actually quite dangerous, isn't it? Um, Have either three of you? You don't count because you're far (laughs) too young. Um, But the older—have you ever really sustained quite a notable injury while riding? See these teeth?
10: Yes. The board went the wrong way when we ran me over. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) I bit
9: the board.
0: Oh. Oh. Well, for people who don't know what you guys do, can you? give us the description. So,
9: so the Seattle Cossacks were formed in 1938 and it came out, out of a group of hill climbers who st- in between races they started in the pits kind of goofing around climbing on the bikes and building pyramids doing stunts and they said it got to the point where more people were watching the guys in the pits than the bikes going up the hill. So in 1938 the team got their AMA charter and uh, we, the team of course in that time started with 30s Harleys and uh, we have had in in the 60s i think we had a few glide front ends in the team but the for the close riding we do that vintage bike works the best 30s 40s um hand shift foot clutch springer front end harley davidson motorcycles are the requirement for our team bikes and uh part i like about it the most in the team is the history of keeping the vintage i mean there's lots of stunt 30 years ago when i joined i guess I wasn't google but there weren't a lot of if you were to go look up stunt teams, there weren't a lot. And now, if you were to Google it, there's tons of stunt riders and all different sorts of stuff. But they're doing newer stuff, stuff mm-hmm. that I would scare the heck out of me if I tried it. I'd, but... I'd like
0: to see you try and get up on the front wheel.
9: <laughs> <laughs> well, it has been done. I, I, did. We won't talk about how my bike got its nickname, but, but um,
0: can you? What are the names of some of the stunts you're doing?
9: So we have. Uh, well, go ahead, Andy. You, you're our announcer. Well. <laughs> The best part
10: of what you talked about getting on the front wheel, his bike is named Bingo. We were performing in a parking lot in a Bingo parlor setting, right? He lost balance off the back. The bike took off all by itself. He missed going through the doors of the Bingo parlor (laughs) like this much. Bike went up the building and back down. We had to put a new front end or new front wheel on it. But the bike is here today. He's been riding it for 30 years. He was a rookie just like him when it happened.
0: And I've seen a lot of stunt crews, but what you guys are doing is is an old, old art that I will admit, in all my years of riding, I've not seen a stunt team right. like yours of doing pyramids and balancing and even the thing you're doing with your one, you're basically doing the splits.
9: The carousel, we call it. The
0: yeah. carousel, controlling the bike with just the clutch
9: break that's break. with the
0: break going yeah, in circles break. uh and all these slow moving techniques and balance and handstands and crazy stuff uh, have you guys been bringing new tricks or is this like your old tricks that you just keep refining
10: we ask every rookie that joins our team to bring something to it In other words don't be stealing what we've already got what are you going to show us what you can do and that's what's been going on for the last 80 years
2: okay so that's going to segue into let's talk to the youngest member of our (laughs) crew so um you're an apprentice how long is the apprenticeship
9: uh, until I turn 18, and then I have to ride what's called a, a rookie year, and then I have to get 100% vote from the entire team to be voted in. So until I'm 18, I will continue to be an apprentice. Okay, Porter? how's
2: that voting going? Do you think he's won over about half of the team
10: right now? <laughs> well, if he keeps getting straight A's, he might not fit in this
2: team. Okay. <laughs> I'm, 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 sure, I'm sure there'll be bribery and, as well.
9: And the reason he has to wait till he's 18 is everybody has to own and maintain their own right. motorcycle. So he can't own it until he's 18. Okay. And... Uh, and he started performing when he was 12, but he could not he was doing the stunts, but he couldn't ride his own motorcycle till he was licensed and indoors. So if
2: I can ask you, you're in full uniform now yes. um, and the uniform is very, very damnable mm-hmm. we're going to include pictures of these guys on the, mm-hmm. on our website so you can see. but as a description, you really are dressed like Cossacks. you have a very, very White shirt with a puffy sleeves, you have the jod purse, the riding yeah. pants, very shiny black boots. I thought they were almost patent, but they're just highly shine Beautiful captain's hats with a logo on the front, and you match the bikes. Everything's resplendent in maroon and white. However, you're dressed in full uniform, but a couple of the members of the team, the young lady and the gentleman who couldn't get his bike started last <laughs> night, are all in maroon, just wearing regular pants. Is this young man just further along the process?
9: Yes, so so, they're, um, so Riley, first girl in the team in eight, our 83-year history. And I would like to
2: chat with Riley yes, yes. before we'll, we do it through
9: tonight. It. And uh, so this is her first year, and then John Massey, he, this is his first year as well. Okay, well he started Marty's last, last, year. Year, if he he started last start. year, but didn't get anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you have to earn the uniform. Right. And you notice on George's, he doesn't have the back patch yet, because that's okay. once you're voted in, you get the backpatch. Okay. But once you, once you prove your ability in r- riding and maintaining the motorcycle, then you get a uniform. Okay. John was walking past us right here. He just got his uniform yesterday. Last night at 6 o'clock before our first show. And he's been doing it for th- for a couple years with us now.
0: Can you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Riley. Hey. And how old are you? <laughs> I'm 15. Oh, Good
9: Lord! So <laughs> I mean, I knew
2: there were a couple of members of the team who were very young, just by watching you yesterday, but I had no idea quite how, you. And,
0: and how is your pelvis feeling since you just got ran over?
2: Uh, 100% fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, a little worried about you.
8: Um,
2: the thing I like the most is every single one of you, and you're kind of in age right now, I'm guessing, are <laughs> continuing an unbroken tradition of 80 years. And I have a suspicion in 20 years' time... We might be back at another show and the Cossacks will be performing, and you two will be quite a lot older yeah. and still performing on the same bikes, doing a similar routine. That I think is the most appealing. There's something very old fashioned about the show, but in a nice, kind
9: way. It's a very, very Show. And George, he's third generation. His grandfather was in the team when me and Andy first joined.
0: Dad, I, I noticed there's family members out yes. here. Yeah, right. Yeah,
9: my son's in the team. George, his brother and his two cousins are both in the team. Oh, my father. And his dad.
2: So a real family affair. Riley, were any of your families involved? Uh, yeah, my dad is. So you really didn't have a choice. You were one <laughs> one of born to ride in this team. I more had to try to get in. Yeah. Really? So you. Really wanted to be in from yeah. a young age. Great! I think it's the most wonderful thing. You need more women everywhere. So um, you're going to be the first to get your own bike. Do you have a bike chosen already that you've got to got well, to keep an eye open for? Um, well, I already kind of have my own
9: bike. I've been working <laughs> on it a lot. Uh, it's a, it's called Inky Dinky. It's a it's a nineteen it's a forty seven forty five. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's the bike I'm going to keep riding until it dies. So
2: let's talk about the bikes a little bit. Um, Are these left-hand or right-hand throttle? Right-hand. Right-hand throttle, but they're toe-to-go clutch. Yep, yep. Hand shift, foot clutch. And what a toe-to-go is, um, I kick around on an Indian. Oh, So you you basically, when the clutch is towards you, it's disengaged. When you want to engage the clutch, you push it forward. And you can just lock it in any position. It'll stay. You can slip it. It's not like letting the clutch out on a bike. If you would imagine letting the clutch lever out, it just stay wherever you leave it. Hmm. So you can actually set it with a little bit of slip. So these bikes are almost perfectly made.
9: And, and the perfect slow center of gravity. Right. They balance well. In, going back to the Second
2: World War, my dad was a dispatch rider in the Second oh, really? World War. And he rode a triumph. And of course, all the American dispatch riders had just run rings around him on the WLA's. <laughs> and he never figured it out until he rode one. And it's a perfect low-speed bike because of those features. So it makes it perfect for what you do. So, Riley, have you got a bike picked out yet? I do not. Okay. So um, do you think you'll inherit your father's? Uh, It depends if he gets a new bike. But if he doesn't, then I will be getting my own. Okay. so here we go. Where do you get the pool of bikes from? I know one of you has a motorcycle shop. Yeah, that's Bill. That's Bill. So let's say, Riley, Needs of a a bike, and I'm sure that bikes in that range, you don't just scan Craigslist and get one.
9: So well, where the, do you draw the them there are from? Some, they still pop up, you know, every once in a while. You could find them, or or swap meets are great. Or George's bike, he right. uh, it was it was an ex-member's bike, right? Okay. Who retired and. Was getting up there in years and couldn't ride it anymore so okay so they bought that bike quite a
2: commitment i mean oh, these yeah. are not cheap bikes to buy and i'm sure they require quite so quite a, a bit of maintaining can imagine. i <laughs> can't
9: imagine so george had these two were kind of born into the team they had no choice me right. and Andy, we were, luckily we were young enough when we joined you know i was doing this before i didn't meet my wife till the next year after i started the team when i was 22 years old i met her but um, so to convince a new member who's maybe 40 years old, married with kids, honey, I'm going to go spend X amount of money on this motorcycle. Right. And I'm going to be gone every weekend all summer long. Right. Do I have your blessing? Okay. <laughs> and that's why we're, we're a big family, big extended family. Right. I mean, we're together so much. I mean, just the stunts we do, everything's close proximity, and we're interlocking legs and arms, and you have to be close right. and to do it. And it just has grown into a extended family each member
2: and I'm glad you mentioned that because it's not just the commitment to the bike it's not just the commitment to maintaining the bike or finding the money to buy your bike since we're a
10: 15c organization nonprofit we all have full-time jobs right and every weekend
9: this is our vacation Friday night
2: you pack everything up and you hit the road and that's all summer right yep all summer
9: Wow I can't wait till we get back to that
10: and they- this year we only
9: have a handful of shows, and last year we, we were able to get two shows in before we got shut down. So I'm looking forward to next summer, hopefully, that we're able the to... summer before last year, we had one weekend off. Well, the
0: other great thing about getting young people into it is they can't afford drugs.
9: Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, right. this is a pretty expensive one in itself.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so, the,
9: the other good thing is when I joined the team, I was the guy on top of the pyramids. <laughs> I worked my way to the middle, and now I'm driving them, so it's nice to get some Shut young, lighter more flexible members yeah. so to
2: the younger members so you have to start at the crappiest stunts and the most dangerous ones yeah. <laughs> because that's the hazing I, I, right? it's
9: the
0: funnest the funnest that's no, what the they funnest. tell them yeah, yeah. the
9: funnest the funnest yeah. yes this
8: won't hurt a
0: bit yeah.
9: and no. when we get a new member we always we practice the stunt sitting still in the parking lot to get them used to how you're interlocking and where you're going and when then we tell them it's easier to do it while we're moving and most people don't believe us, but it actually is. You have a little momentum going. And
2: you've got the gyroscope thing going, right. and it, it. So you got run over, but you're not hurt. No. Have... I... Um... You actually got hurt. No. But you got run over. I mean, for a second it hurt, but I'm fine now. <laughs> How much do these bikes weigh? 850 pounds. That is... Detroit
10: steel, Milwaukee steel. These are, and then heavy. I add another 250. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's also showing the trust and right. the family that you guys are. That you guys all. I just watching how you guys climbing on the to the pyramid. Everyone knows what's happening, what their part is, and how to be. It's there's not a lot of talking that I can see. It's happening. That's a right. lot of practice and trust. Um, I just wanted to thank you for you know telling us everything. I um, it's the greatest
2: thing and I think what could be summed up about your show is the goodwill you instil on the audience you know you see motorcycle shows and it's like somebody falls off and everyone's hey but when you went down you probably didn't hear it because you had the adrenaline going there was this collective oh, from the crowd and then you got up and it was, they're great and it's it's, it was the complete opposite of what you'd see at an
9: inferior show, yeah. you know.
2: Everyone out there was really thinking it was the best and show. Andy
9: was talking to the team beforehand, and this this isn't our show. Right. This show isn't our show. It's everybody's, It's the spectators, the right. audience, it's their show. We it, do it for you them. You guys
10: brought us here. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, you better entertain them. For our listeners, where else will you be performing? And do you have a website or YouTube vi- videos? Our
9: schedule's still in progress, so we got a few tentative dates. Some stuff's possibly going to happen, but with possible rollbacks in Washington happening next week, it's, everything's kind of still up in the air. But we do have we have an Instagram, a Facebook, and a website. Just Seattle Cossacks. Um, so check us out if anybody took any pictures we'd love to see them post them on our page and send them to us we'd love to see it
2: thank you all so much for the interview it really was great it's just it's a generational thing i think it's the most wonderful thing i've done in a long time Is interviewed you guys it's great when's your next show it feels
9: good to be back on the road again yes Yes. it does we're
2: getting that energy so when are you performing next
9: Uh, three o'clock and six o'clock tonight and then one last one at noon tomorrow that's right. Nice. We'll catch them and,
0: nice. and I also have to thank you for whatever is going to happen when we go back home. Because whenever I see new things like this, I tend to let, let's go and pull out the mini bikes and try and replicate them. We're going to go home and do stupid stuff in our garage. Oh, Just want to let you know.
9: Send videos. <laughs> exactly.